This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. So this is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, no matter where you're listening to us, welcome to our show. Except for the great beyond, we're not going to the great beyond this episode. We left our medium conversations for the last episode. Alright, so with that being said, uh, with our wacky intro... Matt is on vacation. Matt is not here with us this week. Matt is actually going to be in uh, the land down under. No, not Australia. Mexico. On the other side <laughs> of the wall. But we do have Drew Hausman. Drew, say hello. That's right. What's up, everybody? I'm ready to talk uh, the Villages Soccer Club. Uh, signed my newest favorite named American player, Knox Strawbridge. Knox Strawbridge. You know, hockey's been a sport time and time again that I've seen like some really funky names. For example, in the Panthers organization for a while, there was a guy whose name was Wacy Rabbit. Wacy, <laughs> W-A-C-E-Y, Rabbit. There's also been a, just, just literally off the top of my head, a Tyson Strachan. Um, there's one more name I know that was in the organization for a while that you would look at and you'd be like, really? Uh, there was a dude named Racine. This is a bunch of weird kind of names. What are the weirdest like soccer names that stick out to you when you have that? You know, like when you're thinking like, "Yo, dude, what? Like that's either really cool or like, yo, that's really weird." Danny Drinkwater. That does take top of the cake, though, doesn't <laughs> it? Right, Danny Drinkwater. I, I, I'm never gonna forget the last year I was watching a Leicester game and and they weren't playing United. They were actually playing somebody else. But I was caught up in the Leicester run and I'm, and I'm watching the game and my fiance, um, like is you know swinging by. She goes. Why does that guy have drink water on the back of his shirt? <laughs> and like, I had to look at her and be like, that's his last name. And she like, stopped for a second. She's like, no, it's not. You're lying to me. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, his name is Danny Drinkwater. You should have seen, uh, you should have said they were sponsored by Aquafina and just seen if she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lesser City brought to you in part by Aquafina. Hey. There was, there was one thing that I thought was funny. I was listening to a different podcast earlier through the week. And I was catching up on some old episodes, and there were doing this thing where if you type a player's name into your iPhone, um, you would, they would be guessing what the player's name and bait. I'm sorry, what the player's name is based on the autocorrect. And I was kind of sitting here and I was kind of messing around with it um, earlier today. So Drew, I'm going to drop one on you in here, and you tell me what you think this is. All right? Wait, is is this Miami FC or is this? Yeah, it's a Miami FC player. Oh, uh, when I put his name into my phone, the autocorrect version of his name is Leading Porcupine. Leading Porcupine. Oh, man, I'm bad at this. What do you uh, think it is? Porcupine. Man, oh, there's too much dead air. I'm going to give up. Quadwo Poku. Oh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> 
I guarantee everybody that was listening was just cursing at their freaking speakers right now. Like, Poku, you idiot. You're like, Poku, you fool. Quadro, Poku. <laughs> and, and it was funny because there was one, um, man, I wish I would have like saved it or recorded it. It's making for terrible radio. But I think they did uh, N'Golo Kante. And N'Golo <laughs> Kante was just this like off the beaten path. You'd never, you would never know twice like really what the name was. Everybody's just kind of like, what? Huh? How is that even? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so segueing over into last week's game. Um, <laughs> so we had the Miami FC take on the Indy 11 uh, in a game that many Man, thought Man, we would played be North Carolina, you crazy boy. You want to start over? <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. So, all right. No, we did play the North Carolina FC. I don't know why I said Indy 11. Uh, we played North Carolina FC. Oh, God, we're off to a terrible start. Anyway, um, and we figured out one big thing. The 1-1 draw and the fact that Miami FC has still never lost a game to North Carolina. Drew, uh, you mentioned the stat last week, and you thought it was really interesting that Miami FC, even considering our spring season from the year prior, we had never lost a game to North Carolina, and and yet it holds true still. Yeah, I mean, that that game was very frustrating, but for that beautiful late goal and kind of just the sigh of relief after that entire game, uh, you know, it's happy to come out with one point and to preserve a statistic like that. But, uh, yeah, man, we got some kind of a winning at home disease that we need to get over real quick. Yeah, it's a big problem. I think it's and it's being noticed uh, across really the community from from the casual fan to the Miami FC brass. There is an issue going on. This team cannot keep dropping points at home. And there is an audio clip that we will be segueing. Uh, either into this episode or next episode regarding uh, Nesta's comments on this issue. Um, Miami FC continuously uh, gets balls in the technical area and, and they're throwing in crosses. However, all of these crosses are either too far or these through balls are just too long. And from my view uh, on one side of the field, especially during the second half, and, and Drew, I want your opinion on the first half, that connection, it still seems to be that I don't know if it was turf conditions or if it was the pressure that North Carolina was was coming at Miami with. All of these balls just seem to be an inch or two too high or just you know two inches too far. Yeah, I think you jokingly tweeted at me when Michelle sailed one in the second half, late in the second half. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like the, the idea of turf conditions. I'll go with that excuse. Uh, I will say it is a new turf, and this is the first time it's rained using the said turf. Uh, they don't practice, you know, they don't practice on that field, so I imagine those conditions have to be kind of a, a stranger to them. Um, but at the same time, the other team is dealing with the same conditions, so you can't really uh, give us too much of the benefit there. But yeah, I mean, it was it got it kind of kind of ridiculous at the end, uh, but it just showed, you know, they. They continued to try. We ended up with 13 corner kicks for that game, and, you know, <laughs> that's that's a lot of corner kicks. Yeah, 13 corners. Lord knows, probably double that in terms of crosses. Um, in, in the first half, I did send out a tweet from the Magic City Soccer account um, that the first half, although it ended nil-nil, was the difference between quantity versus quality. North Carolina had thrown in multiple chances uh, into the Miami FC's net, but Miami FC had the quality chances. If you remember, the first half was uh, highly, highly uh, controlled by North Carolina FC. They dominated possession for the first 30 or so minutes. And when we got a halftime sheet 
uh, backs, you know, showing the stats from Optima. Optima said that Miami FC had more possession in the first half than North Carolina FC. At which point, I look over to some of the other guys in the uh, press box, and I was like, there's no way this is right. Like, there's absolutely no way this is right whatsoever. Miami FC had eight shots uh, towards the North Carolina goal uh, during that first half, and, and North Carolina only had, I believe, two at the po- at that point in time. So it was a matter of quantity versus quality. However, the script of quantity versus quality was upended and turned around uh, in the second half. Miami FC dominated possession early on and were dominating in terms of crosses and, and, and throwing the ball into the box. Uh, as Drew said earlier, Michelle got his first appearance of the season and he got his first couple touches. And again, it just seemed to be almost a lack of chemistry. These balls were coming in way too hot, way too high. Um, you know, you would see an issue with regards to through balls being sent with just a little too much pace. And, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating not only from a fan perspective, but it's frustrating in the sense of not seeing the final product, not seeing the link up in play. The ball's getting into the box, but the ball's not getting into the net. And, and it's frustrating on all accounts. Yeah, I think also, too, it was uh, part of the, the aggravation was we were, like, so aggressive in the first 10 minutes of that game. Uh, they were, you know, because they were shooting on the brigade end where we were all standing. But I feel like the first 10 minutes we, we came out like lightning and, were you know, had a bunch of opportunities or some chances that were blown. But then after that, you know, the game kind of pace set in and it became more back and forth and midfield uh, orientated. But um, it was good to see him go go hard out the gate, but unfortunately it didn't lead to an early goal. No, it didn't lead to an early goal. Um, but at the same time, um, I did was able to retrieve the auto file from Nesta, so we'll go to that in one second. Drew, Miami FC has 37 total crosses in that game. 37. Ooh. Damn. And, so, and somehow <laughs> the passing accuracy was over 85%, which to me, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know how there was 85% passing accuracy with the amount of through balls and the amount of corners that found nobody or found the other team. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I mean, we're sitting here and we're groping. And we're not, not groping, we're griping. <laughs> groping. No, we're griping and, and we're getting angry about the fact that Miami FC, you know, we're almost talking like we lost this game. And the truth of the matter is, we didn't lose the game. See, we started we started on the high note and then we then we progressed into the low notes. So we, we got to do it ne- backwards next podcast. Well, you know what we have to do now, though, right? We need to talk about the high note. We need to talk about... Robert Casira Baggio getting the final goal to tie it up in the 95th minute of play. Yeah, that was beast, man. It, it was it was kind of weird because you know it was on the opposite side of the field that I was standing on. So at first it looked like uh, it was a cross from Baggio, and then uh, Stef- Stefano tapped it in. But I guess it was just that bizarre angle that he was able to score off of. And I must say the uh, the assist. Uh, shouts out to Lee Iffens, who hates that uh, soccer statistic, was by the one and only Vincenzo Ranella. Vincenzo Ranella con formaggio numero otto. But, uh, it, yes, it did look like a cross. Even from my angle, it looked like, you know, Baggio had kind of slipped the ball along the mouth of goal and Pino had knocked it in. And then it not only took until... Honestly, maybe about 10 or 15 minutes after the game was over when we're looking around waiting on the final word. And it was, no, it was not tipped in. Robert Baggio happened to put that ball through the keeper's legs, it seemed like almost. And 
really just kind of find the far post and, and knock the ball back in. If you haven't seen the goal, it's really important that you please check out uh, social media and check it out uh, because it was a point-saving goal. Um, it he- did help Miami FC climb in the standings and, and really save a point or really save two points almost because this is a draw that, that felt like a win at the time. So if you want to hear from Robert Baggio, guess what? You're in luck. We have some audio from Robert Baggio, and we're going to put that in right now. Uh, it was a good moment. It was good. Uh, it was an important tie for us, a important point, and it felt good. It really did. And our team, our team's playing well. Our team's doing really well this season. How do you feel with your role that you're playing this team? Uh, it's a new role for me because I'm a midfielder, so <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's a new position. Uh, Nesta, he's working with me on left back, and it's it's a good position. I'm learning from one of the best defenders, so special moment. Is that what Nesta wants? Yes, yes. Nesta loves when I attack. He doesn't want me to stay back. He wants me up and down the field, so <laughs> I'm just doing what he says. You filled in really well at left back, especially with all the injuries early on in the season, whether it's Walter Estrepo, man-marking him and just leaving him to nothing, and even tonight against a couple of North Carolina's defenders. Is there something in your mentality, or is there any experience you've had before playing left back, or is this your first go at it and you're just doing exceptionally well? I played left back for a couple of games when I was younger, but I'm learning from Nesta. <laughs> Not much to say. I'm learning from one of the best, and he's teaching me everything and how to shut people down and how to contain and when to go and when not to go. So I'm just learning from the best. Now, um, you said you should play midfielder. Are there any chances that we might see you at the midfield throughout the season knowing that you know players are coming back from injury, or are you focusing going to stay on uh, well, it's up to Nesta. I think he likes me left back, so I think I'm going to stay left back. And as a defender, I'm going up and down the field, so it's like I'm midfielder, forward, and a defender. So I think he likes me left back. It's his decision, so I respect it. Do you think Miami sees uh, more dangerous with uh, a nine like Stefano that always scares defenses? Yes, Stefano is a, is a very good player, and with him on the field, it's. <laughs> the defense is scared, and that's what's good. And he creates opportunities, chances, and everything. Which he's a good player, very good player. Does he open spaces for you? Yes, Maybe yes, yes. He does open up the uh, spaces. He gets open, and he does a bit, really good job at it. There's a lot of high pressure from coming from um, uh, from the attack, uh, pressing the ball high up, especially when you guys had had um, uh, when the defense had the ball. Were there any adjustments you have to make uh, during the game or from beginning to the end to kind of? You know, battle that? Uh, yeah, at halftime, coach spoke to us to adjust some things, and uh, we did it. And second half, I think we did better than first half. And second half, even though they scored on us, it was it was a goal, but we learned from that, and we're just going to keep working hard and just keep playing. Um, all right, so two games now. I haven't seen the final stats yet for today, but I know that we outshot them again. I want to know your feeling, first off, on the frustration of two games in a row, putting so much attack, so much attack, so much attack, and just not hitting, you know, hitting that goal, and then the jubilation, the feeling of finally getting it off your back. Uh, it's going to come. It might not, maybe not this game, next game, or the game after, but soon we're going to start scoring and we're going to start playing, creating more opportunities and everything, but when I scored, or Pino, whoever scored, <laughs> uh, it felt good, it felt good, so it's a good experience. Well, you've heard from the goal scorer himself, and like we said earlier, we alluded to Nesta not being thrilled with the fact that the team only got one point. Um, it was a situation where 
we were kind of happy in the press box, and I'm sure the fans were happy, you know, leaving that game thinking, okay, this could have been worse, like, crisis averted. But Nesta was uh, sitting alongside with Poku uh, during the press conference on Saturday night, and here's what his thoughts were on the game. Yeah, today I'm, I'm not happy. Uh, everybody may be, we score, we tie last second, I'm not happy. The message to the player today is I'm not happy because uh, we played for me a second half very good. We can't lose a game like today. Uh, they stay, I don't know, 30 minutes inside the, the Carolina box and we never shoot, we never try to score. They come one time and they score. I can't accept. We have to... Um, I guess the New York, okay, come on guys, okay, but no, no. Because if not, we don't win games. The message is this one. Last time I say good, uh, well done, guys. But today I'm not happy. 62 shots in four games leads the league in the NASL, but only five goals. How do things change when the floodgates open? And Miami FC not only leads the league in shots, but leads the league in goals. Uh, I don't believe uh, laggy are laggy. For me. We have to change mentality. We have to, when we, the ball arrives uh, in the dangerous zone for them, we have to change uh, speed, uh, everything. Because uh, we have to recognize the, the important moment where we, we have to be ready to kill the opponent. Kill. We have to recognize the situation, the game. Today, Carolina was uh, almost dead. Kill him. This is uh, the mentality. No other mentality. I I know I have a good guy. I have a good player. I have Pogo, the, one of the best in the, in the world, now in the NSL. I know. But we have to change mentality. We have to improve the mentality. It's uh, up to me. Eh? It's my fault. If uh, the mentality is not good sometimes, because sometimes yes, not every time, it's my fault. But we have to work in this uh, direction for me because uh, players play good. Sometimes uh, we play very good, but if we change mentality, next step is this one: to win uh, every game, not every game. Uh, question for both of you: the Final third, there seemed some balls just got away the last second, almost some pace. Was it more of a condition of the turf being too slippery, or was it the high pressure from North Carolina that would just get certain crosses just sent a little too far, certain through balls? Just getting a little out of the reach of the connecting player. Um, in uh, in the half, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, as he said, uh, I think we got to be more aggressive uh, in the finishing part. Um, we we can we can say we had a lot of shots and we had a lot of chances, but most of the chances could have been a goal. Uh, if I can remember, I can remember three clear chances that we should have scored. We should have scored. We don't have any excuses. We play well, we play good, but now changing that, you know, mentality to finish, finish the game, it's, it's, it's. I think we are all disappointed with that uh, because, uh, as you said, against Cosmos, okay, let's go, guys. Uh, you know, we're trying to fix something, but another one, it's, it's the same, and we nearly lost the game. You know, thanks to Badju, uh, you know, giving us a tie in this game, but we, we have to, we have to do a better job finishing, finishing in the box. All right, and those are the words from not only Nesta, but from Poku himself with regards to the game. 
So uh, we did have over 6,000 in attendance uh, at FIU Stadium. I'm sorry, Ricardo Silva Stadium. My apologies. That's right. Um, 6,000 people, and the 6,000 people did show up. And you know what was really impressive? Seeing that people stuck it out through some of the rain showers of that game. People quickly, yes, they opened their ponchos, but they sat in the seats and they finished and they supported this team throughout the game. They didn't go and seek shelter under the con- oh, I'm sorry, under the stadium in the concourse. Drew, the weather we, we thought was a little spotty. We were hoping it was going to hold up, but the 6,000 strong stayed up. Uh, you know, so yes, yeah, some of them probably did seek shelter, but most of them were out there in their orange ponchos looking uh, pretty beautiful, if you ask me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the rain never really got that bad, but it just consistently drizzled and then picked up a little bit throughout the game. But um, I think that's another one of the things that the team is doing right this year because everybody was decked in, a, you know, well, the majority of the uh, main seats were decked out in the uh, orange ponchos, but they were actually giving those out for free. You know, they weren't trying to make a quick buck. Oh, uh, were they? I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. A couple of people of ours got them for free. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they weren't trying to make a quick buck. You know, like uh, when you go to, like, New York City or something, the second it starts raining, uh, there's 8,000 people out with umbrellas trying to charge 20 bucks. But, you know, they were handing out free ponchos, and most of the people said, you know what, I live in Florida. I'm used to this. I'm going to stick it through. So um, it was good seeing everybody kind of stay in the stands and, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, people kind of blame attendance numbers on the past and the rain, but to pull 6,000 on a day you know it's going to rain and have people stick in the stadium, uh, I I was impressed. Yeah, you know what? It's really impressive in the sense that we did see a 35, essentially 3,500 people less than the home opener, but showing the fact that this attendance number could have been far worse. It could have been much worse. And, and, and the reason for that is not only weather, because it was kind of, you know, kind of a crappy game, crappy day throughout the day. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, crappy weather throughout the day. I can't speak today, guys. I apologize. But at the same time, you know, that 2-0 loss to the Cosmos the week prior isn't necessarily something that people want to really come back and see if that's your only experience to Miami FC. Yeah, and I think that's part of the advantage of the second season because, you know, obviously we didn't do that great the first season at home, but I think people are now, the more casual fan, are kind of enjoying their experience or, you know, you're getting a lot of the return fans coming back. Maybe they're not going to every game, but they're at least saying, hey, you know, this is a fun thing to do Saturday night. Let's go out. Yes, it might rain, but we're going to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Can't agree more. That's 6,015 people who showed up, second only in the 11 who played at home against the San Francisco Delta. Um, They both played actually on Saturday. So in the 11 nudged out uh, Miami FC in attendance by about 1,100 people or so. Uh, They also did have a drop from their home opener. And again, that's to be expected. A lot of people uh, usually get, you know, Sucker, well, I don't want to say sucker, but usually get enticed <laughs> to coming. <laughs> sucker is such a bad word, but they get enticed gotcha. to coming to the home openers. Gotcha, uh, and you know, and, and be that as it may, that number, you know, across all sports, whether it's hockey, baseball, basketball, you know, opening day is for for any sport is when all of the new promises and all of the new questions of the team will be posed and asked and and, and answered really and. For a casual fan, opening day can make or break their outlook for a season. For diehards like Drew and I and and, and the rest of you know strong supporters, especially the ones in Dade Brigade, um, they're going to stick it out through and through. It doesn't matter how the season's looking up. Um, taking a look at the attendance tracker, NASL was able to nudge out USL. Again, NASL did have four home games this week. All eight teams were in action. Uh, the NASL average attendance was 5,080. 
USL's average attendance, uh, just a bit over 4,400. Uh, so, I mean, it's a good sign. The fact that, you know, the NASL is still week by week out averaging the USL uh, is extremely important. Again, as, as the long game goes in terms of figures, um, you know, the two highest attendant teams in North America, or I should say in Division Two at this moment, are FC Cincinnati. It's going to be really hard to ever beat them, to be quite honest. 20,000 a night, it seems like. And the <laughs> Sacramento Republic. Um, in the 11, coming in third, Louisville City. Another big soccer hotbed with regards to USL and a passionate fan base. And then Miami SC slotting in in fifth. So uh, it's good to see that the attendance game is still coming strong. Good to see that Miami FC is holding their own within the Division Two battle and that they have something to offer at the next level. Um, moving on from North Carolina FC... Um, I think it's really important that we go ahead and discuss this next upcoming week as the truck whizzes by, showing us that we're leaving the North Carolina segment and <laughs> the Edmonton segment. What do we expect from FC Edmonton? Because this is a team that just picked up their first one of the season last week uh, in Puerto Rico, and now they're coming to Miami, and I think they're looking for some more Caribbean flavor. Um, is this going to be a game that gives FC Edmonton another three points? Man, I expect some FC Edmonton doo-doo, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm i not big on them. If we don't win this one, I'm going to cry. You know, Puerto Rico only has three points also. FC Edmonton and Puerto Rico are both just chilling on the bottom of the table. Um, I, You know, this is the one we really have to win. Edmonton, their roster pretty kind of remain the same, uh, similar to last year. It's, you know... I'm not really worried about too many dudes. Uh, their one striker, Dean Shellis. Sorry for mispronouncing that. I mean, he's a great experienced player. He played for uh, Rangers and Hibernian in Scotland, and he had an Arsenal youth career. I had to throw that in there. Um, so they have some attacking power. <laughs> but all in all, I mean, this them in Puerto Rico kind of have slotted themselves as the beat-up teams this year. Uh, they're probably the two that we should, or that I personally am least concerned with, and I expect us to beat them every single game. <laughs> every single game, every yeah, time we yeah. play, take the field. But no, losing. I mean, if if you look at if you look at the league, I mean, it's down to eight teams. You always got to have the bottom two, and it just so happens to be Puerto Rico and Edmonton. So you know, the fact that one beat the other isn't too impressive. So um, I have very high hopes for this weekend. Well, looking at Edmonton, I would say that other than the Cosmos, they may have been the one team that were uh, hit hardest by uh, roster acquisitions and roster transactions. Again, looking at their roster, none of the names really seem familiar. I think Amy Obi, uh, Tommy Amiobi, one of their forwards, was there with them last season. I do see a couple names um, on there that, that, you know, are if they're not with Edmonton of the year before, they were definitely in the NASL. Saini Niasi, Ben Fisk, Dustin Correa, Pedro Galvao. You know, a lot of these guys um, did, uh, you know, again, are common names that we've seen throughout the NASL. The one name, though, that's notably absent from FC Edmonton is Matt Van Eckel. Oh, him and his yoga pants. Him and Matt Van Eckel and his yoga pants, because he was taking a, a cue from Hungary goalkeeper's Euro sweatpants, we think. Uh, Matt Van Eckel uh, got the call-up, man. He's living the big time. He's uh, playing for Real Salt Lake. Again, you know, I don't know how big time it is in Salt Lake City, but he is playing now in MLS, and he's no longer manning the pipes uh, for FC Edmonton. So, as Drew said, you know, this is a game where Miami FC must, they must, they must, they must. 
acquire the three points from FC Edmonton. This is a side that, yes, although they've come off a win, you know, they came off the win from another, you know, cellar dweller in the case of the NASL here in the spring season. And our goal here at Magic City Soccer is to make sure or really hope that Miami FC acquires the spring season championship. So that this way we have, you know, a little bit of a more, I don't want to say relaxed, but we kind of have an easier atmosphere. We kind of have nicer shows where, you know, we don't have to sit here and stress out about certain results, right? Right, right. It's not it's not the Cosmos. We, we got this. We got this. Nice contribution. We got this. Yeah, thank All you. All right. So. <laughs> hey, man, so if, they want, if they want to give me a halftime and pump the team up, I got this. Yeah, we got this. We're good. Halftime speeches. Please refer to Drew Hausman on Twitter. It's Hausman, LOL. The halftime speech might be just the one giant LOL. That being said, um, so FC Edmonton, again, not a strong team coming in. Again, only three points in the four games. Miami FC currently sitting third on the table behind the San Francisco Deltas that don't look that great, although they have six points in four games. And I think the team that really shocks the league, and we'll get to in just a minute, uh, the Jacksonville Armada, kind of sitting at the top of the table with eight points, and everybody's kind of sitting here being like, wait, what? And league-owned. Jacksonville Amada League owned what? Huh? Eight points. Jacksonville top of the league. Get out of here. Jacksonville never wins anything. Anyway, so um, one important thing is as another week goes by, we will see more and more guys come back into the roster. Hopefully get fit, uh, be active, and and be contributors to this roster. Uh, Another week goes by. So do we think... That Michelle and and you know Rhett Bernstein, Mason Trafford, and you know insert name here uh, in the back line. What do you think? Because we talked about it last week, and we said that it's going to be really hard to pull you know Casira Baggio off the field. And now with his goal to give us Miami FC a point, he's making an even bigger statement that if you want my roster spot, if you want my minutes, you are going to have to take them from me. Trial by combat. Um, no, I, th- I think we'll see, um, I think we'll probably see Michel come onto the squad because, you know, he played off the bench and came in in the late minutes. Um, Bernstein still has yet to be, be seen uh, as a available sub, so, um, I he doubt is in he- practice. He is, he is practice and he isn't training, so yeah. that is a heads up. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so no but, longer, you know, riding the pine, per se. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know at this point they're just going to throw him, throw him into the mix. Uh, Tyler Ruthven also was an available sub, so yeah, we're we're starting to see kind of the core of this team come back. But um, you know, these these younger kind of players that were kind of looked over earlier are starting to prove themselves. So it will be a an interesting transition. So we've talked about quite a few times the amount of midfielders and and in our opinion, what the quality we have in midfield actually is. Do you think Miami FC is ever going to have a situation where they're going to Try to get cheeky and try to go with three guys at the back. Um, it's possible. I mean, that's what we originally thought for that uh, the first game in New York when they announced Lahood as a uh, right as back, a right, right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we thought it was three at the back, and they just made an error. But I guess not. But I mean, in situations like that, maybe you can kind of move it around a little. But um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe maybe I they'll. Mean, Maybe they'll whip it out for the Open Cup and see what happens. No, let's not experiment during the Open Cup. I think that's the worst <laughs> time right now to be experimenting. Um, no, and, and the reason I ask you that question, not because I want you to, to you know, to, to, to waste time or, or waste your breath, but really the main reason I'm asking you that is the following. You know, we've talked about the 
just the the depth of quality in the midfield and guys that need to fight to get minutes. And if you put five guys, I mean, look, John, when was the last time we mentioned Johnny Steele's name on this podcast? Oh, preseason. You know, preseason, right? And, and Blake Smith is another guy that still hasn't gotten many minutes during the season. And, and he's a guy that at the end of last year showed that he was a machine. He was a chances-created machine. He was getting the ball where it had to be. He was willing to dribble through traffic and, and, and really get us going there. Dylan Mares is not coming off the field. He's showing you every game what he's being able to contribute. Case you know what LaHood's... Okay, so Blanco, you know what LaHood's going to bring you every night? Listen, Poku might be the most dominant, strongest player in the NASL, so you're not going to get him off the field either. And yet we haven't even mentioned Richie Ryan. We haven't mentioned Calvin Resende. We haven't even mentioned, you know, uh, albeit within the midfield discussion, Michelle. You know, Cesario apparently isn't hurt, uh, and he's actually, you know, in training. So it's kind of one of those situations where it's like you have all of these guys, and yet nowhere really to slot them just because of the quality of of who's in front of them yeah it's it's the same story it's same story week in week out yeah yeah i mean eventually you know once everybody's healthy stuff will get going we got this Again, with the halftime speech, we got this. Thanks, All right, guys. so we did allude to Jacksonville League-owned Armada. I guess that should be their nickname. Jacksonville, quote-unquote, League-owned Armada. Um, top of the table, eight points in four games, and really the question almost seems, how have they done it? How has Jacksonville been able to sustain you know, putting in points week in and week out when, when everybody pretty much wrote them off at the start of the season, thinking, listen, you guys are league-owned. The players are getting paid absolutely minimum. There were reports out there that player wives and player girlfriends had to arrange potlucks in order to get you know, food at, at trainings. Like, come Man, on. It this sounds is like college football. I mean, not even. This is worse <laughs> than college football. You know what this is? This is NAIA football. This is when you didn't even play Juco. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, Amidst, and again, I'm not trying to turn this into the Jacksonville Armada podcast. Believe me, that's not the case. But amidst all of the battles and obstacles that they've had to face, they still haven't lost the game this season. And it's one of those things where, you know, yes, they played FC Edmonton twice. And guess what? Their two wins come from Edmonton. They also were able to draw against the Deltas in a nil-nil match in Jacksonville. But at the same time, listen, they got a point from the Cosmos in New York. And that's not an easy feat either. Oh man, you stole what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, how are they undefeated? <laughs> they played Jack- or they played Edmonton twice. <laughs> yes, they played Edmonton twice, but they were able to 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 definitely wrangle a point from the Cosmos. You know what though? They will have a hard challenge uh, this weekend in Jacksonville with the Indy Eleven uh, coming to town, and that should be maybe a match where Indy Eleven can steal three points and and not only put the pressure you know, on Jacksonville and the rest of the league, but on Miami FC as well. So it's really important that we do take all three points from Edmonton. Um, I think this is a match where Miami FC can dominate. I think we're going to see a clean sheet from Vega and the boys in the back. And, I'm, you know, if I had to handicap this game, which you know I love to do, I think Miami FC pot two in and then we can go, we're going to go home with a 2-0 win. That's right. So deposit your Bitcoins into Bovada and take Omar's advice. If you're going to make deposits into Bovada, please reach out to me before you do so. And maybe we can work a little something out. Um, so that being said, Jacksonville is playing Indy. Puerto Rico is playing North Carolina in the matchup of, I was going to say orange and blues, but North Carolina's colors are orange and blue. But I do want to mention something actually from last week. North Carolina FC, um, 
if you guys happen to stumble across this podcast because you were bored and or maybe you're using stumble upon as a browser um listen uh you guys have gold letters on white jerseys how do you think we can write about your team talk about your team call a game about your team if we can't see who the hell the player's name is or what his number is did you guys have that same problem there on the on the end zone where you couldn't read the names and the numbers because of the gold lettering on the white jerseys? Yeah, it was a little hard to read, but um, I remember last year when we played our first game against the Strikers, we had the bright orange lettering against the baby blue jerseys, and I that was that. yeah. I I felt like I was trying to freaking pass a colorblind test, like <laughs> <laughs> especially yeah. the very first game of the year. I was like, that's that guy, right? <laughs> You have to learn how to contrast correctly. The bold color has to be the color of the jersey. Can't be the color of the number. It has to be the color of the jersey. The I guess it's part of the problem with not doing your preseason in your actual like jerseys you're going to play in that year. By the time you like figure it out, you're like, oh, it's too late. <laughs> I mean, this, it was funny. I, I ran into Bruce Silverman, the voice of Miami FC. Uh, you can hear him at during every game on you know uh, CW39 here, CW South Florida. And I'm in the press box, and I'm and I'm looking at the TV, and I'm talking to some of the guys in the press box. And I'm like, I can't tell who that guy is. I'm here trying to tweet that can provide you guys with a storm of tweets, almost like a play-by-play via Twitter. And I'm here kind of sometimes, not even joking. I'm, guys, I'm guessing who the player is because I can't tell. Thank God Shipolani had, like, a hair dye because that was the only way I was going to know who Shipolani was at that point in time. Uh, and, and really Matt Fondi because it's hard to miss Matt Fondi. You know, he's just a tall white guy with long hair. But... <laughs> So I I'm, I'm, I say it out loud in the press box. I said, I don't know who chose gold lettering with white jerseys, but I can't read this. And then I put an expletive behind it. And <laughs> not maybe 30 seconds later, uh, you have Bruce Silverman come on the air and he's just like, yeah, I think uh, North Carolina really had a problem here. They didn't realize how hard it is to, uh, you know, provide information on a team when you can't read whose jersey, you know, or who that – Who's the player in that jersey number? So after the game is over, we're sitting in the press conference, and Bruce comes down, and a couple of the guys still from the press uh, from the press box are there. And I go to Bruce. I said, "Listen, man, I need my royalty check." And he's like, "Excuse me." I said, "I mentioned the jersey issue about forty five seconds before you did on air." And everybody in the press conference got a big chuckle. Um, I guess it was one of those you had to be there moments. But again, Puerto Rico FC plays North Carolina FC. <laughs> North Car- uh, the game is in Puerto Rico. Drew, what are you thinking? Uh, you think it's a Puerto Rico three point night, or you think they're going to get away with a draw in that baseball field? Nah, man, I think Puerto Rico is going to lose, bro. I, I have little faith in Puerto Rico. That's going to come around and bite me in the ass later in the year, but uh, I have very little faith in Puerto Rico winning that game. They're going to come with their arroz and habichuela, and they're going to be like, here, Drew, eat this. Eat this crow. Eat this crow we hid under this arroz and habichuela. So as you know, again, Miami FC does play Edmonton at 7.30. In the late game on Saturday night, we had the San Francisco Deltas hosting the cross-continental tripping New York Cosmos. New York Cosmos will have to make the cross-country flight from, I'm hoping, LaGuardia, for their sake, or JFK, all the way to SFO. Um, this is the game that's going to test the San Francisco Deltas, I would think. And uh, do you think the Cosmos take all three points here? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going off numbers, but I, I, don't, I don't think San Francisco... I mean, the, the past couple of games they've been doing good, but I think the Cosmos stomp them. I'm more interested in seeing uh, San Francisco's attendance numbers because they've been struggling this year. So I at least hope they're kind of 
marketing this kind of classic NASL team and, you know, throwing the frickin' Pele pictures out there and trying to get people interested, whether or not they be Cosmos fans or, you know, get kind of the nostalgic NASL people out there. But, um, you know, whenever you're playing the Cosmos at home, you you really got to milk it and, you know, pull attendance based off your opponent. Yeah, because the Cosmos are one of the... Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, yeah, but I was saying, but, you know, it's it's hard to do when you're a first-year team and you're not kind of a historic team, but, um, you know, you, you really get so many benefits. <laughs> That's why I'm so happy oh, yeah. the Cosmos are back. <laughs> the Cosmos are back, no. Uh, and also one of the big things that, you know, not only with the Cosmos, but I will say also with the Fulardo Strikers and, and the team name, not the, not the addition of the team, not the 2017 version of the newer Cosmos or, or you know, the last four or five years of this new NASL version. But the name newer Cosmos, it, it carries weight. And, and the name, you know, listen, whether you want to agree with it or not, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers name does carry a little bit of weight. It is renowned. Uh, it does carry weight and stigma from it back from the old NASL days of the original edition of it. However, this San Francisco Deltas team has yet to break 3,000 people at its attendance gate. And I don't mean per game. They've hosted two games, and they haven't even broken 3,000 people. Which makes me think this, though. There may not be any giveaways going on in San Francisco, and any time that you want to watch a game, you're going to have to pay to go. That being said, if you're bringing in 1,500 people a night paying attendance in your first season, and you're in San Jose's backyard with regards to San Jose Earthquake and MLS... Listen, it may not necessarily be the worst thing, especially when you don't have the name ID or the name recognition in that town. Yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate because going into this year, you know, the the owner and all the PR people there did a really good job of hyping them up and, yes, uh, you know, getting fan involvement. But then, you know, come the home opener, and you're like, oh, you're just another NASL team. <laughs> you know, I, I do wonder, though, and we we noticed this as well. I think Miami FC had an adequate marketing performance with regards to its first season. Adequate. Yeah. I don't think it was the best, but it definitely wasn't the worst. And San Francisco's market performance here has been, I, I'm going to be honest here, has been better than Miami FC's 2016 version of marketing. And yet, you're still only getting 1,700, I'm sorry, you're getting 1,500 people a night to show up and and again they haven't hosted the best opponents you know they they haven't hosted the cosmos maybe this can be something you know like you know you have a soft opening and then you have a grand opening this hopefully may be a grand opening and a tipping point for the deltas and and you know here hopefully the deltas can break six seven thousand but you know puerto rico fc listen they're bringing in you know roughly uh, 4,000 people a game, 4,800, 5,000 people a game. So, you know, while we're going to sit here and knock Puerto Rico FC for their quality of play and, and their roster, etc., people are showing up. People are watching it. I, I got a an offensive sales pitch that I'm going to give out to San Francisco right now. Go for it. Advertise, for sure, on, sir. advertise on Grinder. All right, well, that was Magic City Soccer, and I think uh, we're going to have to close up shop here before the ACLU gets a hold of us, and, and we're going to be, uh, you know, up blank. That was, it's house and LOL on Twitter. <laughs> so bad, so bad. So that's your look ahead as to uh, what week five, will, I'm sorry, week six will look like in the NASL. With regards to at home, guess what, guys? You already know it with every game in the NASL. There's going to be giveaways at Miami FC, and there's going to be a match day theme. Absolutely, guys. Match day theme for this weekend is Cuban Heritage Night. Hey! Yes. 
You've heard that right. It's Cuban Heritage Night because not every night in Miami, Florida is considered Cuban Heritage Night, believe it or not. So you're going to have Cuban Heritage Night. We will still be raising awareness. Uh, it is Autism Awareness Month uh, throughout the country. There will be a giveaway. And this giveaway, listen, guys, you've been given flags. You've been given thunder sticks. You've been given, you know, bumper stickers, car magnets. But you have never, ever received a shirt of this quality before. And it is an Ariel Martinez t-shirt giveaway. <laughs> What's going on? What's so funny? Uh, I'm just laughing at your, your shirt hype up. It's a beautiful shirt. Yeah. It is a beautiful shirt. Ariel Martinez shirt. Guys, you're getting a player t-shirt. Right? A jersey. You're not paying 20 It's a jersey, absolutely. You're not paying $25 for it. You're not even paying $20 for it. It's yours with the price of entry. FIU students, you get in on game days for $5 when you show your FIU ID. You can pick up tickets for fifth, starting at $15. Uh, you All you have to do is go to the MiamiSC.com, click on their Buy Tickets link, and then you have access to multiple options, including the Beer Garden. Beer Garden opens early, and it does come with two craft beers from many of our local breweries here throughout Miami. Uh, 21 and over only, please. If you're not 21 and over, uh, do not buy craft Beer Garden tickets because you <laughs> might as well throw your money down the toilet then. Um, there is a sideline club for you fancy folks that like to drink wine with your pinky up. Uh, that's going to be another issue that you have there as well. I'm not issue, but that's another option that you have there as well. Um, guys, as always, the Dade Brigade tailgate and the food trucks will be outside of the stadium starting at 5.30 p.m. If you don't know where the Dade Brigade tailgate is, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be outside on the parking lot on the east side of the stadium. Yes, kind of like where the fairground parking is or used to be. Uh, Drew, is there any events that we can explain or that we can expect here at this tailgate going on this weekend? Um, lots of drinking, some smoke, some food trucks. Should be a good time. So we're gonna have some smoke. We're gonna have some food. We're gonna have some beers. I'm yeah. gonna assume. Yeah. Hmm. Should be a pretty pretty good time. So we're trying to bring a special guest on the pod here. Uh. Just, just, just trying to trying to get him on here. He says he's busy, doesn't have time for us. Oh, Our boo. other co-host, Matthew Bunch, unable well, to join us. While you're talking to him, I'll promote something else. Go so, this is the first weekend of the Double Double Miami Soccer Special. So, Double not Double. only do we have our game on Saturday, but on Sunday, Miami United starts the NPSL season against Boca Raton FC. Sunday night, 7.30, Midlander. I think a bunch of Dade Brigade dudes are going to go out. I know a bunch of Flight 19 are supporting Boca Raton uh, now, so they're going to come on take the drive down. Um, Back-to-back soccer weekend, man. Saturday night, Sunday night. It's going to be a good one. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome because you get two games on a weekend and you almost make it feel a little bit like Miami's a little bit of a soccer town where, you know, imagine if you lived in London or if you lived in Manchester or if you lived really in Liverpool – you have probably 30, 40 teams within your cities amongst the different divisions, and you you can go to a game Saturday morning, Saturday night, have some beers, wake up Sunday morning, and go to two more games. You're getting the double-double. You're getting the back-to-back here. Drew, how do people get tickets for the Miami United? Um, they're actually on Eventbrite, but I would just say show up and get them at the box office. So show up at Mylander Park. Mylander Park is in Hialeah. That's La right. ciudad que progresa. See? Pick up your tickets at... <laughs> see like with a question mark yes it is a city of progress oh. uh, 
<laughs> Pick of your tickets at the box office. You can also get them on Eventbrite. If all else fails, just do a quick Google search for Miami United. Go to their website and or, follow. Or the just look for me. I'll be wearing uh, 2015 NPSL Sunshine Conference champion bright pink Gaga Milano jersey. You have one of those? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's actually really cool. I know. <laughs> I wonder if they make those in my size, unlike these macro and Miami FC kids. Well, they're they're discontinued now. They're they're the old school, old school. Aren't they? They're no longer wearing Gaga stuff, are they? No, no. Now it's like a giant orgy of Miami pinks and blacks and stripy colors. It's like if Parrot Jungle threw up in your mouth. Hey, yeah, yeah, but it's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. If you want the most Miami jersey ever, Miami United's got you set. Miami United has got you set. You heard it here first, folks. That being said, you know what? We've talked about... Uh, Miami FC. We've talked about Miami United. FC Search has their tryouts coming up uh, later on this weekend. We'll hopefully get more FC Search platform for you here. Um, and and really that Boca Raton FC match that's going to be really I guess Miami's best version of a natural derby. We're going to say what are they calling it? The I ninety five battle, the battle for ninety five. Uh, I don't think they've marketed yet. Well, because the fusion is in that conference, so when they play the fusion, they do that whole classico thing. Uh, oh, oh yeah, true. The Miami Classico. Yeah, yeah, but um, I I don't think it has a name yet. So, um, hit us up on Twitter and give us a name for this rivalry. Give us hit us up on Twitter. Give us a name for the Miami United Boca Raton FC rivalry, and maybe we will score you some tickets for a Miami FC game, or maybe we'll score you some tickets for a Miami United game. We'll let you, the listener, make the choice. So that being said, we've pretty much uh, wrapped up all of the Miami FC talk that we have for you, and really all of the Miami talk that we have that we have for you today. But as our specialty and what we do best, we like to get on the plane. Oh, man. We like to take an eight-hour flight. I'm flying Delta. I might get kicked off. <laughs> it's United, sir. Ah, oh, my bad. Not, not Delta. United will carry you off, but you didn't end up with a bloody nose today, did you? How'd your Arsenal do? Uh, you know, took an own goal. Yeah. Nah. This guy, this guy gets three points. He gets three points in the game, and we record a podcast. And what does he do? He just man, national man. Um, Huth, Ungle, I'll take it. Alexis Sanchez got the ball thrown in his face, which was pretty funny. <laughs> well, in the segment that blows up every time I do it, and yet somehow. Some way, I keep thinking maybe Drew gives me a little golden nugget every now and then with regards to going across the pond. Um, yeah, uh, we had three matches today in the Premier League. We had Middlesbrough and Sunderland in the Premier League version of the Ship Bowl. Uh, Middlesbrough beat Sunderland, if I'm not mistaken, 1-0. Tottenham played Crystal Palace, and Tottenham... Listen, Tottenham didn't look that great. It took a marvelous strike in order to uh, get the edge over Big Sam's Crystal Palace, surprisingly enough. And as Drew just mentioned, the own goal from Robert Huth on a weird deflection uh, nabs Arsenal all three points and moves them up into sixth place. Excuse me, ahead of Everton. That being said, tomorrow there is the Manchester Derby. Again, we are recording on Wednesday night, so the Manchester Derby is tomorrow. Uh, I will more than likely making be making the trip down to Fado's in order to watch the game amongst uh, all of Miami Soccer's fan base, which might just be myself uh, with regards to United fans, since we don't technically meet up anymore and do anything. Um, Ooh, we do have some matches. No, yeah, we don't. I'm going to be honest. We, we, we don't really do anything. Uh, in La Liga, Barcelona and Real Madrid both played today, and the combined scores of their game was 13-3. to three. <laughs> So, 
Again, anybody who says La Liga is such a great league, thirteen to three. That, like, that's that's. I feel like that's what a lot of the fans want, though. Just blowouts, like. Yeah, but but it's not. It's not like that's the that's the issue, though. That's the conversation that we always have. Yeah. We sit here and we get to the end of the you know the European tournaments and we say, "Oh, look who's left! It's uh, Madrid, Madrid, Barcelona, and uh, you know, insert fourth team here." <laughs> and, then we, and then everybody starts beating their chest. Oh, La Liga is the best league in the world. It's the look. We have three European qualifications and we're in the semifinals. And it's like, listen, dude, there's clearly a reason why all your teams get to the finals. And it's not because you're the best league in the world. Like, I hate to break it to you. It's not. Right. I, and, and, and I like that voice you were is, doing. You do? Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. It, it's the same voice as, as the people saying, oh, well, you know, listen, uh, Barcelona and Catalonia, they're going to leave Spain. And uh, if uh, Barcelona and Catalonia leave Spain, the Spanish FA will not let Barcelona play in La Liga anymore. So where will Barcelona end up? Well, they're not going to go to League One, that's for sure, because they're not going to go to France. That doesn't make any sense. So a lot, a lot of speculation at the time had them going to Serie A. Listen, man. Serie A is another shit league. <laughs> Serie A is another shit league. I don't care what I don't care what you have to say. Listen, it's the same team that wins the league every year, and they wear black and white, and they wear a Jeep on the front of their jerseys. And the only time I and they have a crappy that, new logo. Yes, and a crappy new logo, which we will see in Miami uh, in July against Paris Saint Germain from League One, which is actually a better league, just believe it or not, than Serie A. But Shots fired! Shots fired! The only time... No, no, Drew, but be honest with me. The, the last time that I can remember a different team other than Juventus winning Serie A was when Juventus had a match-fixing scandal. And what was this? Maybe like eight or nine years ago? And didn't they get relegated to Serie B? Didn't they go down to Division 2? Because... I know they, I know they took trophies away. I don't, I don't recall. Did, did they go down a whole league? Some, some, I, I, one Italian person that's still listening is cursing at us. Yeah, listen, man, uh, you, we weren't relegated, bro. No, no, we weren't relegated, bro. This conformaggio. Like, all right, bro, get out of here. Nah, man, that sounded Arabic more than Italian. Come on. Yeah, probably. Well, I can't, I can't hide that, man. <laughs> and yes, in 2006, uh, in 2006, so a little more than eight or nine years ago, Juventus was relegated uh, to Serie B. Um, and you know what? Also relegated in that year was Florentina and Lazio. I figured. <laughs> Go, go figure. So the other notable teams in the Italian league all seem to have gone down with them. So, I mean, listen, that's such a real clean league. You know, realistically speaking, the Scottish league is crap too because Celtic wins it every year. So we can sit here and yeah. ramble about that. But, I mean, the Dutch league, literally, Eredivisie, the Dutch league is more competitive than the Italian league and more competitive than the Spanish league. Yes, the quality of teams, I will give you. Different. But the competitiveness where the last team in the league can beat the first team in the league on any given night... Man, that gets ratings, man. People want to watch that. People don't want to watch world beaters. People don't want to necessarily watch, you know, oh, my God, Juventus won another game 6-0. to zero. Oh, you know, c- congratulations. Right, I'm rambling. Drew, do you have anything to add to this? No, man. Uh, I would like to apologize to Claudia or any Italian people if they're still listening. Uh, sorry, guys. No, but it's true, though. Ah, I got you going back. <laughs> It's true, though. It, it, it is. It's one of those situations where, you know, it, it's almost as if people come and they knock MLS and they say, MLS isn't good because MLS has problem X, Y, and Z. Okay, MLS does have defensive problems. MLS does have an H problem with regards to its players. But on any given night, and we've seen here lately, Minnesota United is getting wins. Like, 
Hello, yes, they're not necessarily beating the best teams in the world, but Minnesota United is getting three points. And at the same time, you're having a team like the Chicago Fire, who we mistakenly rode off during the preseason thinking that they were going to be a load of crap. But I think and that now, that was before they signed Bastian Schweinsteiger, though, right? It takes more than one guy to make a team, though, though, doesn't it? Not with him. <laughs> no, he's the... <laughs> He has an aura around him, and then I guess he has, what would you say, he has his own gravitational force. So when he gets the ball, he can just throw everybody back a few yards, and, you know, he can do his thing and, and leave Chicago fired to the World Cup. He's a team photographer, too. Like, he does everything. <laughs> that was such a great photo. Such a great photo. If you don't know what we're alluding to, uh, a photo went around where Bastian Schweinsteiger took a photo uh, for a lady amongst a bunch of different Chicago Fire players, and yet... The hardest thing to believe is that the one player she probably wanted a photo with or would have been worth something was the one player behind the camera taking the photo. All right, boys and girls. Drew, uh, this seems to be a short episode, but I guess we're going to wrap up here. you have anything to add? Uh, no, I thought we were going to fen- uh, end it on my offensive joke, so uh, we're good. <laughs> no, the ACLU, their attorneys texted me. They said we have an extra 20 minutes. So we're good to go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess this is going to be it uh, for this rendition of Magic City Soccer. Uh, you can find Drew Hausman at it, on Twitter at It's Hausman, LOL. You can find me, Omar Mubayed, at Twitter at Mubayed. That's M-O-U-B as in boy, A-Y-E-D as in David, 11 on Twitter. And uh, Matthew S. Bunch in the land down under on the opposite side of Trump's wall. Stay safe, buddy. At Matthew S. Bunch on Twitter. Drew, get us out of here. Say something nice. Uh, Later, y'all. Come see me at the tailgate. Conformaggio. Conformaggio.